Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, welcome back to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. <laughs> and we're back. Um, so today we are talking about um, kind of high leveling the the different churches that we've talked about and um, that were involved in all of this. Um, and I kind of realized that we went backwards. So yeah, we-, we started with the chapel just because that was the current day thing that was happening when we started the podcast. Literally, the counseling pastor of the chapel standing up on stage talking about um, how grateful he was to be in community with my abusers um, was the catalyst to starting the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's where we started. But the chapel is really more of a recent thing, and we've kind of worked our way backwards. But that is a little confusing for people. So we want to high level that today. And then we also want to just address some of the um, some of the comments, I guess. Yeah. Some of the, the things feedback. that people are struggling with, right? Yeah. Trying to understand and figure out how to function. Yeah. So instead of responding to the individual, you know, messages on Instagram or whatever, we wanted to kind of um, just give a quick, quick answer, I guess, to do mm-hmm. some of the same things. Um, okay. So Sorry, high leveling. The, cha- the the churches. So uh, Bible Presbyterian Church of Grand Island is um, a teeny tiny little church. And that is where my parents and many of the offenders that we um, both have named and also who were involved, um, they all grew up there. So they all went to Grand Island High School together. They were in high school youth group together. They were neighbors, um, some of them. Yeah, they were in BBS, Awana. They bust kids in from the, you know, the trailer parks for these things. Um, and then even some of them went to the same college. And so. that college we heard was being pushed very hard by, again, it was a tiny little, I'm assuming Baptist college. Yep. Was Shelton, Sheldon? Shelton. Shelton. With a T. Yeah. Which is defunct. Now. Some did go to um, Bob Jones University, which has mm-hmm. also been the subject of several Title IX lawsuits. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. That so, college was pushed hard by yeah. the pastor of Bible Pres back in the day. Yes. So the first pastor of Bible Presbyterian Church um, was a man named Bob Vandermeer. Um, Bob is an offender, uh, someone who paid uh, for these things. And his family, including his son, Cal Vandermeer, who is also an offender who paid for abuse and pictures um their family is incredibly close to my grandparents. Um, like so, strangely so. Yeah. I mean, like Cal Vandermeer is literally in my grandmother's will. Like it's in a, it's a very, very strange relationship. Um, and like I said, both Bob and Cal um, offenders. In- different, in different, they had a different tone to the way that they approach that. Yeah. We don't have to go into that, but just yeah. to take note of that. Yeah. Absolutely. There's definitely that. That's kind of, I think, a lot of the ritualistic um, 
element to this, it was born at Bible Press, right? It was, mm-hmm. you know, that's where, um, yeah, a lot of that was born. So in the 90s, um, Bible Presbyterian split due to Bob Vandermeer, the lead pastor, having inappropriate sexual relations with the church secretary. Now, I want to say there have been other statements made to us that make it not clear whether to what extent that was consensual, because we've also heard from other people um, that he tried to kiss the secretaries or inappropriately touch them and that like that was sort of put out there, like people found out about that. So I don't it's unclear to us at this point. But what we do know is that Bob Vandermeer was certainly not being very pastory. Well, no, right. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, no, there's that's the uh, yeah. So ultimately um, that led to him being pushed out. Right. So at the time, again, this is early 90s, probably um, Kevin Backus, who we've already talked about, is a named offender. He's also a deputized chaplain with the Erie County Sheriff's Office. Um, at the time, uh, he was the associate pastor and he was keeping a notebook about Bob and what he was doing. He eventually went to the Bible Presbyterian Synod and they removed Bob. And so there was the split in the church, in the church. Um, When the church splits, Kevin Backus, who also, by the way, is my mom's brother-in-law, my mom's sister's husband, um, he took over as lead pastor. So he ousted Bob Vandermeer, takes over as lead pastor. Now, have any of the other named offenders or do any of the other ones come from Bible Pres? Yeah. What do you mean? Like anybody that we've named? Oh, have we, oh like publicly? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cal Kern. Yeah. Yeah. Cal Kern and his wife and his in-laws. Yes. All from Bible Press. Um, right. Grew up with my parents, mad each other at youth group, whole thing. Um, okay. So Kevin is also, so like I said before, he's a named offender. He's a deputized chaplain. He's actually the head of the conservative party is it on grand island only or is it just like generally i don't know how the conservative party i think probably on grand island okay well he's an elected official of some kind he's also like i said you know part of the erie county sheriff's office and wasn't he the principal of of yes so bible presbyterian had a christian school like within the church that the church ran but it was a school um, back in the day, so this is like going back like early 80s, um, my mom was the kindergarten teacher. Another named offender's wife was the first grade teacher. And Kevin Backus was the principal. And multiple people, I mean, multiple yes, people so have, many reports. Yeah, have come to us and said either I was abused by Kevin or his wife. I physically. was physically abused or my child was physically abused by them. Um, or my sister, I know of somebody, I mean, multiple, multiple accounts of um, physical abuse. The word sadistic was used to describe yes. this behavior yes. by other people. absolutely. Um, so, okay, church splits, Kevin takes over. In the middle of the really messy split, um, my parents, along with a whole group of offenders, moved to a church called Whitehaven Road Baptist Church, which is now called Cornerstone. They literally bought a new sign, slapped a new logo on their church, renamed it, and all is well with the world. Um, So, okay, can we just kind of comment on, so your parents, sister and brother-in-law became the pastors of the church they were attending, mm -hmm. and they left? That seems weird. I know. We were talking about that earlier, and it is weird. Like, I feel like... There's like a control element there that's like, I mean, I I don't know. I can't really speak to their 
their mindset in doing that. But yeah, it is a very strange. Um, right. Seems just like an yeah. unusual move. So okay. Okay. Oddly enough, here's here's the other like, <laughs> and the plot thickens. <laughs> um. So the church splits. Bob Vandermeer is ousted. His son Cal Vandermeer is like literally just like campaigning for Bob, campaigning for you know their family, their legacy, all the things. And uh, Kale goes off to start his own church. So my mother's brother-in-law and sister run Bible Presbyterian Church. My dad's mother, though, goes with the Vandermeer family and now is wildly entangled there. So it's like this split, but my parents are related to both sides. So it's like this really messy, yeah, all offenders, all in the middle of all of this junk, too. But yeah, with the church, it was like, yeah. So strange. My grandmother, who is also an offender, you know, complicit in the abuse, an abuser herself. um, Actually, the day that the church split, I remember hearing a story that she um, marched out of Bible Presbyterian Church singing. What was she singing? Something about like the the fire of hell or something is coming down. Like this really crazy, like what in the actual, like... Anyway, yeah, so that happened. So, okay, so all these people who grew up together, this group of people who uh, many of the men are offenders themselves, wives are complicit. Not um, all the wives, but not all the wives are complicit. Many of them are complicit, which we'll talk about in another episode the women of this, like where my mother was. A lot of people ask that question. Um, Some of the wives that, you know, honestly made opportunity for these things to happen. We'll talk about that. But um, so this group of people, they moved to Whitehaven Road Baptist Church. Um, so at the time, Whitehaven was another really small church, um, also run by only a few families. Um, We've talked about the intermarrying that has gone on in that church. A yeah. few families marrying for generations. Yeah. Um, so again, you take one close-knit group of people, combine it with another close-knit group of people, And it just becomes this really messy web. Um, So when this, you know, the group of offenders went to Whitehaven, they quickly began kind of climbing the ladder of hierarchy. So becoming trustees, deacons, ushers. Um, My mom ran the puppet ministry, which that's a whole other thing we'll get into when we talk about the women. Um, And she started her own preschool. Um, So for both of these things, again, it puts them in high regard, both in the church community and in the community at large, right? My dad owns a small business on the island. My mom has her own preschool. Everybody wants to go to Mrs. Cook's preschool. Like, they're very, very well regarded, right? Which, Mm -hmm. how many times do we have to say, right? Great way for offenders to hide. Yeah. Um, It was at Whitehaven that a lot of the abuse with church people happened, Um. There were times, you know, when they would take me back to Bible Presbyterian uh, during off hours, you know, this is like so gross, but um, offenders who were paying would sometimes request that location. So I have in the notes, barf. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Literally what it says. about it. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Uh, Okay. So our family stayed at Whitehaven until around 1999. Um, According to my dad, there was suddenly a rift between he and the elders and we left. Like, just out of the blue, left. There was no, like... And early on, like, when the podcast first came out, we kind of started talking to some people who were at Whitehaven back then, and several of the people that he had a falling out with were like, yeah, like, 
first, some of them said we had no idea that there was a problem between us. And some of them said, yeah, all of a sudden he wouldn't speak to me at all. And we never had any idea why. Yeah. Just strange. It was strange. Um, so we left 1999 ish, um, started going to the chapel, um, because the school that I was going to the private school where I disclosed Christian central Academy, I don't know if we've actually named that yet. So here we go. We're naming all the names Um, today, folks. I was going to Christian Central Academy. They were closely tied with the chapel. So when I went there, this was not the case. But prior to me going there, the chapel like ran CCA. So they again, it was that whole like church, Christian school, church, Christian school, like whatever. Um, So we go to the chapel. They start climbing the ladder there. The rest is history. Go listen to our episodes about the chapel for more information, I guess. Mm-hmm. So current day, Kevin Backus is the lead pastor of Bible Presbyterian Church. He is also apparently very um, well known in the biblical counseling world in the Northern Baptist Convention or something. Nope, I think no, because he's Presbyterian. Right, synod. not that. Okay. Anyway, he's high up somewhere in the – yeah. Yeah. He teaches at seminaries. Uh, someone reached out to me from Virginia actually and said, he's my husband's professor in seminary. Like, should I be concerned? And I was like, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> gross. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So he's a lead pastor by a Presbyterian church. Kel Vandermeer, also an offender, um, is the lead pastor of a small church on Grand Island called Bible Fellowship. Um, and the elder board at Cornerstone, which was Whitehaven, still has members that are sitting, um, you know, on it that are directly related to offenders. Um, they also still have offenders currently sitting in their pews and in leadership. So. Which we're going to talk let's about. Let's address as, that. Okay, yeah. Let's Let's, let's go let's there. Go. Yeah. go ahead. So. Um, people have come to us and said, um, you know, John, we keep posting things like with about grace and about grace, it's kind of stepping out. And we keep kind of saying like, I posted something the other day that said, you know, basically to the, to the people that are still sending their kids to these places, you cannot, you can choose to look away, but you cannot ever again say that you didn't know. Um, and I feel like that's really important because it's not my job to keep your kids safe. It's not Lori's job to keep your kids safe. We're here to provide the information and to, um, give as much as we can right i mean there's a certain level of threshold of like no i'm not going to share every last detail with you to convince you like we're giving you the information you need to decide what to do with the information and and act accordingly for you and your family um but so people have come to us and said what do you mean there's still offenders at cornerstone because john sherholtz the lead pastor at cornerstone which by the way he's the eighth or ninth lead pastor within the last decade at cornerstone mm-hmm. has told people from the pulpit that it's handled. The allegations have been handled. From the pulpit and also when people have personally gone to him to say, because they've like said, if you have questions or concerns, please come to us and talk to us about it. And what we're hearing from other people is that he's telling people it's handled. Okay. So it's not handled. To just be really clear, it's not handled. Grace stepped out. Because they realized the seriousness of what was being alleged here and found it to be believable enough that they believed it needed to be in the hands of law enforcement. And they have planned to take all of the information they have and hand it over. Okay, yes. But handing it to law enforcement is also a recognition that, like, they are not law enforcement. Therefore, they cannot. Right. They're not the ones that should be handling this. Right. So they handed it off to law enforcement. Law enforcement now is, is engaged. That's a process. We've said that a thousand times if we've said it once. 
Um, and so like, but law enforcement being involved does not mean now that the allegations are handled, right? It's just not like, that doesn't even make sense. Um, there are minimum at least three more offenders that John Sherholtz is well aware of are offenders that are still currently sitting in the pews and or in leadership roles. And, but yet he's calling it handled. So that's an FYI. I don't know what your pastor is telling you exactly, but this is what I'm telling you. Again, it's not my job to keep your kids safe specifically. It's my job to provide the information about my own experience and my own story and um, hope that you kind of wait. Err on the side of safety. Yeah, err right? on the side of caution, you know? People have come to us, messaged us saying like, I believe you, I stand with you, I'm wearing the t-shirts, but now you're talking about people in my church and I don't know what to do about that. Can you please give me more details so that I can stand more solidly? Like if I'm going to take the step of leaving my church or if I'm going to stand up to my family who maybe isn't so much believing, can you give me more details? No. No. The answer is no. We cannot. Right. Someone you actually said, someone I, I love our messages. I do. I actually do. I mean, we get so many awesome messages, but... um someone messages and said, I don't disbelieve you, which is also the same as we don't not believe you. Right. Which was like, okay. Right. But so. we are very grateful for there. Now I feel like in some ways our social media is almost handling itself because oh gosh, yeah. there are so many people who are responding to other people's messages, clarifying information mm -hmm. or kind of pushing back on false statements or, um, so we're really grateful for that. Yeah. But I think there's one more piece about what we've heard about what John Sherholtz is saying that is very important. So what we've heard recently is that from the pulpit, he made a statement about being careful about not believing everything you hear or see on social media, which got some amens from the congregation, is my understanding. Um, and I'm sure it did. So, yeah, that is appalling mm -hmm. and heartbreaking, honestly, because we really thought at the beginning. Yeah. And I, uh, I know this, we won't agree necessarily on this, but I still want to believe that John has good intentions, but I don't understand what is happening here. I don't know that he does anymore. It's sad because I do think that he did. I think in the beginning we, you know, he came out of the, we keep saying this, he came out of the gate strong. A lot of people do came out and said, I want to help. What can I do? I'm here for all the things, you know, if you need me in a meeting, if you need me to confront people, I'm here for that. You know, he told us his whole story about Circle C. We pulled our kids out of Circle C as soon as the allegations came up. That's awesome. But then it hits close to home. And now it's offenders in your building, offenders on your board, offenders that you need to ask to leave. And it got hard and he's linked back in the back door. So that's how that goes, unfortunately. Disappointing. Very disappointing. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that we've heard the same things said by offenders, right? Cal Vandermeer is going around telling his church at Bible Fellowship that um, they should not be listening to the podcast because um, it goes against the church and God himself. <laughs> so um, again, he's campaigning for his innocence, even though this is actually the first episode in which we've named him. So that's an, another really curious thing to me that why are you campaigning for your innocence if, you know, whatever. Anyway, that's kind of like Cal Kern and his wife. Like they weren't named publicly until she named them publicly. So, right. um, you know, Kevin Backus, same thing. A family that I know um, went directly to Kevin and, and asked, mm -hmm. you know, what do you have to say about these things? What are the, you know, the allegations? Of course, he spun it in a way that was, um, nope, that's not true. And, you know, 
Kate left our church. He said Kate left our church when she was two years old, which one, I don't think is even true. And two, what does that even matter? Like, what is even the point of saying that? Um, Again, you're talking to a named offender and asking them what they think about it. Well, of course they're going to say what, like that. What do you expect? What do you expect them to say? Right. Um, but I, I don't want to pass over that too quickly because we have gotten several, had several people come to us and say, well, you know, I went to my pastor or I went to this offender that I have a relationship with and I tried to talk to them about it and this is what they said. And now I don't know what to think and I, or I don't know what to do because they said it's not true. They said, whatever, um, people, please pay attention. What exactly do we expect them to say when they know what they've done? Like, it's not news right. to them. Like, what do you expect them to say? Right. Right. And we've watched them spin out long before we ever named them, right? The podcast started and we watched these people spin out. So it's like they've been preparing for this, you know, whatever, this bombshell to happen well before it actually happened. So, yeah, they're well-versed in what it is. And they've also been doing this for decades, right? They've been hiding this stuff for literally decades. They are experts at what they do um, and how they handle it and what they say. So, um, And honestly, they have so much to lose, not only in terms of like the public response, um, but also in terms of the system that they're entangled in, Right. So we're not talking about a single offender. We're talking about a group of people who are working together, who they will eat each other alive. So they have so much to lose if Mm -hmm. they now, what, publicly acknowledge that they were doing these things? Right. No, not going to happen. Not going to happen. So I. But that's why, again, like confront. So there's a difference between we've had people come to us who've said, I confronted, you know, John Camardo at the chapel. And what I said to him was, I'm leaving the church and here's why. You know, I listened to the podcast, I believed it, and I'm leaving the church because you handled it inappropriately. Excellent. Do that, right? Go there, talk to your pastor, tell him that you believe that, you know, if you believe, tell him that you do and why you're going to, you know, what are you doing about it? And also I cannot, my father-in-law, here's a great example. My father-in-law, who's one of the best people in the world, went to the church that he's has been currently attending and said, what are you going to do about this? Right? Like the, you know, you've heard the podcast, you've been supportive. Now it kind of hits a little close to home. What is your plan? Um, not I'm looking for a pat answer so that I can come back and continue to sit in your pews, but I want to have a real dialogue with you about what's going to happen. And pat answers are not going to fly anymore. Um, that's still, you know, he's still having those conversations. So TBD, but, um, but that's the way to do that, right? To go to the Direct. to the pastor who's literally entangled with the offenders or an offender themselves in the case of, you know, Kevin and Kale, and expect that the answer isn't going to be, well, don't listen to that. It's, you know, it goes against the church is silly. I just, I, I know we have acknowledged this over and over again. It is so hard to fathom that people who are capable of this kind of ugliness could masquerade as regular people. We understand it is so hard to consider that that is possible, but come on folks, open your eyes. It is all over media. We did the whole step up episode talking Mm -hmm. about how Bill Cosby, like, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on about people who somehow managed to pretend to be normal while underneath it all, they are doing these ugly, ugly things. So Please stop thinking that you're going to just be able to go, oh, right. Yes, I see it. This person is a sex offender. 
Then on the flip side of that, though, we've talked to a bunch of people who are really well connected to these offenders, either, you know, family members or um, friends, friends, people who are really close to them, who are listening to the podcast, believe the story, have come to us and said, hey, was this person involved because um, mm-hmm. they have a weird twisted sense of humor. They make people uncomfortable. They're overly touchy. They're preoccupied with children. Um, and every single time it's been someone that's an offender. It's been someone that's like, oh, how do we handle this? Because this is someone that's close to them. And, you know, we haven't really named that name and it's tricky. Right. Especially because we know these people still have access to grandchildren and some step-grandchildren, right? Right. And Right. So it's like they can masquerade in public, but the people when you actually look close enough, it's like, oh yeah, there it is. You know? Mm -hmm. Right. We hear, we've heard some of the same things repeating about just weirdness. Yeah. And, and like, not just weirdness, like, I don't know, I have several family members who are on the autism spectrum. They can sometimes be socially awkward. You know, they can sometimes be uncomfortable, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about creepy. Mm -hmm. Next level creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, yeah, just to high level the churches kind of address that question that, you know, we keep kind of getting of, hey, I talked to my pastor and he said this. So what do you got? (laughs) Um, Don't say that to us. That's great if you talk to your pastor. Um, But this is what this is the information that we're giving and that we're putting out there. And and bottom line, either you believe that Kate's disclosures are credible and that she is a believable person and therefore you take what she says which or again, let's talk about the statistics of that, right? Yeah. 90 to 90, what is it? Eight to 90 to 98% of allegations are found to be credible. Right. So. And why on earth would anyone think you would go through all of this? My God, right? Yeah. All right. Okay. Stay well, thanks for listening. We have, yeah, exciting things to come. If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733.